0: There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather it's positive, this is caught, drinks, line, or negative, the Yankees have swept the Twins. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered, talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. Ah! It's time now for the soon to be award winning if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross
1: Brendel. Hey, that's me. Welcome inside edition number 187 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Yes, award-winning, if only in my own mind, presented by Beans Coffee Company. Today's guest, none other than Daniel House from Gophers Guru, Gophersguru.com. He is on the X machine at Daniel House MN, And you can find me on that same Xer at the Ross Brendel. Daniel House, how you doing, buddy?
0: Coming off the bye week, ready for some more college football and enjoyed last week's college games. There's some entertaining ones at the national level.
1: How much of a treat was Washington and Oregon?
0: That was fun. It, le- it leaves me so excited for them coming to the Big Ten because that style of football is so fun to watch. Well,
1: one one person who may not be as excited as you and I is the head football coach at the University of Minnesota because he will have to play those teams on a fairly regular basis. One team he will continue to play year in and year out is a team that he has not beaten in the University of Iowa. He'll get his seventh crack at them this Saturday at a dentist's favorite time. That would be what, Daniel House? 2.30. 2.30. And he talks about Iowa right now. They
0: understand who they are more than most teams. They stick to who they are more than most teams. And then they beat you in every area. And uh, that, was, that was a prime example yester, uh, last weekend against Wisconsin of exactly who Iowa is. And uh, they're very efficient. They don't turn the ball over. Their special teams are a huge factor in how they win. I mean, a huge factor. Uh, Their special team doesn't get enough credit, uh, and their defense is one of the best defenses in the country consistently. So they have a formula, and uh, they do it really well.
1: Putting you on the spot, Daniel House, the Gophers' last win at Kinnick Stadium was November 20th of 1999. When the Gophers in Iowa kick off on Saturday, that will be just a mere 8,736 days since the Gophers last won at Kiddock Stadium. Believe it or not, I've been to three games in Iowa in the last 10 years. All very winnable, all decided by one score. And of course, neither one won by the University of Minnesota. Daniel House, November 20th of 1999. I was watching that game on a Saturday afternoon with my father. That was a pretty good year for the Gophers. They narrowly missed out on the Rose Bowl. They did end up in the Sun Bowl, lost to Joey Harrington and the Oregon Ducks. On November 30th of 1999, Daniel House, can I even ask how old you are? It's going to make me feel old.
0: Three. (laughs) Three. So,
1: I mean, we can essentially say... In your football viewing lifetime, the Gophers have never beaten Iowa on the road.
0: Essentially you could say that. I was talking I was on with Lake the other day and I said three. Uh, years Lake's old, the best,
1: by the way. Shout out to Henry oh, Lake on CCO.
0: I gotta love Lake. And I, I was talking about, you know, the fact that they hadn't won since I was three years old at Iowa. And and everybody kind of freezes when you say that because it, it, it doesn't feel like that, but Shows you how tough it is to win there. No,
1: it's very tough to win there. And in all honesty, you're not talking about playing there multiple times a year. You're talking about playing there every other year. So it's not like you have multiple chances in a year. You really have five chances in a decade. And the Gophers have had chances in recent memory. I think there's a chance they will have a chance. Well, that's tough to say. This upcoming Saturday. Iowa currently favored by three and a half points. I think that line actually started out in the four to five area for whatever it's worth. And that matchup predictor that neither Daniel House nor I really care about gives Iowa a 73% chance at winning this Saturday. Uh, Daniel, for me, here's how the Gophers do it. And then I'll let you weigh in one. You have to be just like everybody else that's played Iowa. You have to be fairly stingy in what you allow Iowa to get offensively. Don't be the team that lets Iowa start passing the ball all over the place when they decide to, because we know it'll be fairly run heavy. But don't get burned in the passing game, which the Gophers have done, I think, a lot more than either one of us would like the first half of the year. So control them in the passing game. You'd like to think that it wouldn't be hard, but we all know the history of Minnesota sports and Gopher football. So I'm on guard for that. But also one thing that gophers have done offensively is turn the ball over too much. If you turn the mm-hmm. ball over, I think even one time against Iowa, maybe you can get away with one. Maybe if you turn it any, turn it over any more times than that, Daniel, I think you're cooked because of how good they are defensively, special teams, and they always seem to do just enough offensively, go back to last year against the Gophers. They didn't really do anything offensively until late in the fourth quarter when they needed to make a couple of plays, and they did. This is literally one of the most opportunistic, yet annoying football teams you will ever watch, and we've talked about this numerous times, because you look at the team you see on the field, and it never seems to correlate to how they win eight-plus games almost every year. But P.J. Fleck talked about it. They play complimentary football. They know who they are. They don't really deviate from the plan. And more often than not, they come out victorious. So to me, the gopher defense, even though they're playing an offense that you wouldn't necessarily say is stacked, needs to probably play one of their best games of the year. You need to keep Iowa down offensively then when you have the ball on the offensive side, you need to do enough to get the ball to your playmakers, whoever that is and who's ever available, and you just simply cannot turn the ball over or you won't win. That'll be over uh, 9,000 days by the time you return to Kinnick and have a chance to win a game again.
0: Well, the wild part is when you go back and look at a few of these games in the past, Minnesota's run the ball really well against Iowa. Last year, They rushed for 312 yards, I believe. The previous year, 189 yards. Uh, They've been able to find a recipe in the running game schematically to be able to run the ball and be physical up front. It's come down to, like you said, you got to take care of the ball. A few plays here or there throughout the game. I remember the beginning of the one last year where Uh, The big play to LaPorta, it was like 58-yard pass to LaPorta at the start of the game, a screen. And then Iowa gets points early. Uh, Minnesota has to come out and start fast in this game where maybe you can get a touchdown on that opening drive. You've got a full week to get ready for the game. I don't think people talk about that enough. Minnesota had extra time to focus on some fundamentals, get healthy, which I think is something – people don't maybe realize is there's a lot of dings on this team right now where little little things are popping up that guys are maybe trying to play through especially on defense but you know it again i would say taking care of the football starting fast being really good on first and second down stopping the run getting iowa backed up because then you can blitz i don't feel like you have to respect Deacon Hill's ability to to move around and run all over. So I think if you get Iowa backed up, you get really blitz happy. The numbers support that. I believe he's got like four batted passes and three throwaways and interception against blitz pressure. So the goal should be, in my opinion, stack the box, stop the run, be disciplined. Can't get your eyes in the wrong spot because this team loves to gap uh, opponents out with three tight end two tight end sets and then you get some orbit motion some split zone flow you get some gap schemes they're running more of those this year with the pullers so minnesota's eye discipline has to be very good against the run get iowa backed up and then uh special teams has to be outstanding too you can't have that little lapse in a game where somebody you know fields a Fields a kickoff return and steps out of bounds of the three, like that isn't gonna fly in this game. You gotta have every phase of the game playing with great execution, and the gophers haven't had that all year. When will that happen? I know it's going to at some point this season, but out of the bye week, I want to see how they perform. Some of
1: the bye week stuff that you touched on were exactly some of my thoughts that I had as to why I do think maybe this game is winnable for the Gophers and part of that reason is maybe you are the more fresh team Iowa coming off of a physical battle taking on those plucky Badgers from Madison of course Iowa winning now in the driver's seat I think to win the Big Ten West not think I logically if you look at the standings they're in the driver's seat however Minnesota is gonna have a factor in that because they still are yet to play Iowa which they will in just a couple days and they'll play Wisconsin at the end of the year. Do we expect to see more, if anything, from Lindenberg? Do we think we'll see Crab? And are some of those other guys who are fighting some of those nagging injuries that start to pile up this time of year? Because we are halfway through the year. This is now the sprint to the Gophers for bowl eligibility because I now do think that that is, that is what you're fighting for. I think you're fighting to find six wins and get some extra practice time and play in a postseason game. But do we expect them to be fairly healthy when they take the field on Saturday?
0: Yeah, that's the thing everybody's waiting to see is Cody Lindenberg's status because that's been a huge factor in the season. I don't think people talk enough about the players that are out on the field for the Gophers' defense and some key roles. That linebacker spot where you had Mariano's stability of being able to get lined up, Just, I mean, he's he was the catalyst of that defense mentally helping get everybody on the same page. And Cody... I've been learning from him working, getting reps dashed in throughout games, and he was ready to go. I thought this year he was going to cement himself as one of the best tight ends in the conference in the country. And to not have him throwing Maverick in there, who I think is showing his potential in flashy times. But, you know, it's you, you can't expect the guy to come in and play it at perfect right away because that player development track is, is not linear. There's going to be highs and lows. Him. Dev Williams played 28 snaps the previous season. Aiden Goosby didn't play any snaps and he comes in on passing downs. You got three transfers coming in. Like trying to get all these moving pieces to fit together. There's going to be some growing pains. And so what I say is if Cody can come back, that provides some stability in the second level, especially with those zone drops underneath where they've they've gotten burned on that a few times early on in the season. That's led to that, specifically that comeback against Northwestern. It was a big factor. So, Cody on that side, Darius Taylor, uh, also, you know, game time decision the previous week against Michigan. But if he's close, why playing him in the Michigan game with the idea you got a bye week and then you got Michigan or you got Iowa coming out of the bye week? Same thing with Lindenberg. Uh, I don't know what's up with Crabb. We'll see if he's able to contribute in the second half of the season. Uh, but health-wise, this was perfect time. The stat of the week is when the Gophers have a rest advantage over their opponent, they're 10-1 since 2019. So I think that is a factor that, that fans should keep an eye on.
1: Another factor in the game, you and I love talking about special teams, and that's not a wow. joke. We legitimately do. You alluded to it earlier. Uh, Daniel, this is... Only a mildly facetious uh, question. I almost said country. It tells you where my head's at. This is only a mildly facetious question. Is Tory Taylor one of the most underrated football players in America? The absolutely. The kid is incredible. Uh, there is like uh, almost every game you watch, you can make the case Iowa wins the game because of their punter. Ahead of almost anybody else. He is constantly putting the ball inside the 10-yard line, making teams go against a good defense, the length of the field. It is incredible. One thing that could really help the gophers on Saturday, Daniel is just a lucky bounce. Maybe a ball doesn't bounce out at the four, it bounces into the end zone, and they start, you know, they they start out of the shadows or not in the shadows of their own goal line that kid's incredible. And, and I'm not saying that just to say it, it's, it's true. I mean, go look at his numbers, go back. You can Google film on him or you can YouTube film on him. He's nuts. He is Iowa's punter and he is a hell of a weapon for their football team.
0: That's the thing. PJ talked about that this week where you go three and out on your own 15 and he pops off a 65 yard punt that gets, you know, 10 yards a roll on it and suddenly the field's flipped I mean it when your offense is unable to sustain drives and has so many three and outs like I would be able to flip the field if you're not able to do that I mean the game looks totally different they know that field position wins football games especially in the Big Ten West I mean I've done a ton of research on field position margin and the impact it has on games not just in the Big Ten West but everywhere if I was running a program the first one of the first things I would do is go get the best specialist, focus my energy on having the best special teams in the country, because it can be the difference when the talent margin is slim. And even when the talent margins wide, it can help you narrow the gap because uh, you're able to, you know, control that field position margin and put some pressure on the other team in, in ways that maybe they're not uh, facing very often. So You know, Iowa, they have their formula. They're really good at it. They execute it. Their defense plays super disciplined. It ties into the special teams. I think the mistake that people make, Ross, is they allow themselves. Iowa wants to lull you to sleep. Like, they want you to play that game and get into that trap where, you know, you're trying to sustain drives and slowly work your way up the field and, like, not be super aggressive. Where I think if you're Minnesota, you're – coming out right away with the foot on the gas pedal and you're trying to be super aggressive, maybe some trick plays, get an early lead, put pressure on. I mean, even if you have a quick drive here or there throughout the game, Iowa's offense isn't sustaining drives either. So, I mean, you can still get a, a, a high volume of possessions, especially based on how Iowa's offense is playing. I think sometimes teams get too lulled to sleep against Iowa.
1: Well, and I know you talked about the Gophers, you know, especially in the PJ Fleck era. I've actually had pretty good luck running the ball against Iowa. But go back to last week, Iowa gave up just 104 rushing yards to Wisconsin, another team that rushes the ball really well. But Wisconsin passed for over 200 200 yards. They had 332 yards of total offense, but they only scored six points. So you do have to cash in when you get your opportunities. But just looking at those numbers against a Wisconsin team that I think is comparable to the Gophers, maybe at this point, slightly better. Logic tells you caliak Manis in the passing game is going to have to be able to move the ball through the air. And that, to your point, Daniel, maybe you come out of the gate with play action, pass deep, and see what's available. And look, it's you can't compare this team to the 2019 team. But one thing that's really thrown me for a loop the last few years with the Gophers offense is... You're just not seeing the routes are being run, but you're not seeing the gophers hit on those intermediate crossing patterns like they just killed teams with in twenty nineteen and even the latter half of twenty eighteen. I don't know if Iowa's the perfect team to do that against, but what I'm saying is eventually those routes need to start being completed to really help this offense elevate.
0: Yeah, and I would say the screen game too. I wrote on the website about using screen passes, and right now Minnesota is one of the you know, tempted some of the the fewest screens in FBS, and I think that that factors into you know you got to put some pressure on teams in space, especially on first and second down. Use that as an extension of the running game. Uh, I believe that's something that Minnesota can focus on uh, during this the second half of the season is maybe trying to put some tunnels, bubbles, swing screens in there just to. You know, put pressure on the defense in a different way, get teams moving horizontally and then be able to attack vertically. Like you said, you got to be able to start displacing defenders and then, you know, get their eyes in a different spot and, and then hit on some explosives and try to find ways to get Brevin forward going. Get him in the mix over the second half of the season. That's been one of the storylines so far for me is like, I mean, is there a way to maximize this guy?
1: I want to ask you a question that goes into something that I've now talked about for years going back to the Score North Gophers show and on this podcast when we talk Gophers football. If the Gophers don't beat Iowa on Saturday, do you see a path to getting to six and six and getting back to a bowl game? And I think long term you can logically say, well, what's the real difference between five and seven? And six and six. And I do hear that. But what I would say in an era where pretty much everybody goes to a bowl game, it'll be incredibly disappointing if seven years into this PJ Fleck regime, the Gophers floor isn't at least a five hundred six and six football team. To me, I'm not overly disappointed in this season. I'm still alarmed and disappointed in the collapse at Northwestern, again, there's no environment at that stadium. That is alarming. And then I'm alarmed at the complete lack of non-competitiveness against Michigan. Not that you didn't win the game, but that you were actively trying to run out the clock on yourself to avoid getting beat even worse. Though, those are red flags to me. However, I've said this numerous times. If this team finishes 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five, I'd be a hypocrite to be too upset because that's kind of where I thought this team was at. But my math to 6-6, six and six, Daniel House, gets really tough if you don't win this Saturday because then in my mind, you're then thinking, well, you kind of got to beat Michigan State, Illinois, and Purdue all in a row to feel comfortable in getting your sticks because that would be your six, knowing that you still host Wisconsin and you go to Ohio State. I just feel like this, uh, this Iowa game... Is really important for the health of the program and I think the psyche of the fan base.
0: I believe it's important, not just for the bowl game side of it, but it sets the tone for the second half of the season because there's still, I mean, there's still doors open here. Like this thing is not completely slammed shut yet. You had a bye week to regroup. I feel as if it's been detail thing. On each in each phase of the game, where you go back to the North Carolina game, ball placement and accuracy. Hit on a couple of those plays. What does the game look like? Couple explosive plays you gave up. Defensively, that's just been the case. The eye discipline thing here, there, a missed tackle. Like those things have reared out throughout these games. So is Minnesota going to be able to put the pieces together? How big is the return of Cody Lindenberg if he can come back? Darius Taylor hasn't played here. If he comes back, like there are pieces coming together here that, you know, make the the second half of the season intriguing. And one of the things I would say is a hallmark of P.J. Fleck teams is they always show growth as the season goes on.
1: Yeah, they do. You know? we, we've we've seen that literally from year one. This has been the only season, Daniel, where I feel like we're on regression watch, where the team's getting worse. But still, we're halfway through. So I can't definitively say that.
0: I believe that this thing, it might sound wild, but as a guy who studies this game, I don't feel, I feel like there's elements of their, of their team that are close. It's just like, can they come together? I I don't know. Like, I don't have the answer to that question. If things are going to start to to click for some of these players that have less experience on defense and then Ethan as a quarterback, like he saw a lot of different things these first six games mixing looks getting exotics i feel people under under overlook the fact that athan still has limited experience and everybody saw the film from last year and you knew that there was going to be a lot of scheming to confuse and like manipulate a younger quarterback who hasn't saw everything so it's like you got to be patient with player development and understand that there's going to be highs and lows. But as I said, FLEC teams have gotten better over the course of the season in all facets. And so, like you said, with the schedule, you know, Iowa's a game that you got to win. You know, I think to set the tone for the second half of the season, Michigan State uh, is another game. You know, can they beat Illinois? I think Illinois is going to get hot here. I feel they're running the ball better. Some things are starting to, cl- I felt like I saw some things start to click for them when I watched him against Maryland and then Purdue. I mean, that's that going there. I mean, I just never know what to expect in that game. I mean, that's one of those that you're going to have to play a sound football game. You're going to see that air raid type of system with Graham arrow. You're going to pass the ball all over the field. Like that game for me is one of the ones that is worrisome. If you're looking at one that maybe they'll be favored in, but could be a tough one. And then Wisconsin, I think, I think Minnesota can beat Wisconsin the last game.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. And, and you know, this is a week by week sport, right? We we've, we've, it we've, is. we've seen that with this program uh, in the PJ Fleck regime and college football all across the country. You see it every week. Teams have inexplicable losses and then they come back and dominate. The following week, I still think there's some meat on the bone here. Every time I think that I'm reminded that you just can't lose to Northwestern, especially the way that they did. And that kind of tempers what I'm thinking. Uh, But I would say the rest of the year, Daniel, the only game that I would say you I'm not they're not going to win them all. They're not going to win five of these six. I wouldn't think that they would. But the only one that I think you look at and say, well, they're not going to win would be Ohio State. That's probably the only one. Every other game you can make a case that they win. So, if you win well, if you win three or four of those, I think by and large, you can be okay with the season, knowing that at least in my opinion, I've been very honest about this from the get go. I thought the nine and ten win predictions were ridiculous. i I, I always thought yeah. this I always thought this was a regressions not the right word. But I always thought this was more of a progression transitional year, hoping to lay a foundation for some competitive years to come. And I still believe this can be that, but you got to have a couple of wins here in the back half of the season.
0: I mean, that's what we talked about. Eight to seven was what we were saying would be a very good season for them. So, I mean, and you, you were saying, Hey, we don't know how they're going to start early in the season. Like if they're able to steal one, then then they could get an additional win that maybe you didn't expect. But like you mentioned, at the end of the season, here you got Illinois, Michigan State, and Wisconsin all at home games. I believe that they they can win if they play sound football and execute. And that's been the that's like the number one word I would say is execution. Through the first six games, it just hasn't been there enough to to win against good teams. You can get away with those execution lapses, you know, against the the teams that aren't as talented. But when you're playing the very good teams, you've got to execute it. And I'm not even taking that much away from the Michigan game, to be honest, because I think that team could win the whole thing. Yeah, That is a well-coached bunch. They put together a phenomenal game plan. You can tell that they have the resources on their staff to study everything a team is doing. They were so ready at the beginning of the game with that trap coverage. You watch Jim Harbaugh stand behind that pick six, and he's standing at the depth of that speed cut by Daniel Jackson. And he's waiting and anticipating that ball. I wrote about it on the site. It's the funniest thing. He knew the second that ball was released that that route was going to be jumped pick six. It that preparation by Michigan and the scheme that they put together combined with all the NFL talent. I mean, that is a unbelievable team.
1: You could find all that great work at gophersguru.com. Reminder, Daniel is on the X machine at Daniel House. Yeah, man, House talked a lot about winning and execution. I like to think that I win and execute well every day of my life, and that's thanks to my friends at Beans Coffee Company. Check out all their amazing blends that are sure to get you going in the morning. Taste great, and in general, just make you feel great all day long. And also know you're drinking a wonderful product that's made in the great state of Minnesota. Brewed in small batches for the best-tasting coffee you will ever put in your mouth. That's a guarantee by me. Order by the bag or even set up a subscription at coffeebybeans.com. Light, medium, and dark roasts, they have something for every coffee drink or even a cold brew that Daniel House loves. Use the mm-hmm. promo code SPORTSCHAT to save at checkout. Beans Coffee Company ships anywhere in the U.S. with free shipping on all orders over $35. Coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com. Promo code Sports Chat. We all take our coffee seriously. If you're a coffee drinker, you might as well be drinking some good stuff. And this is good stuff. And by the way, good stuff for me would be you rating and reviewing Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple and Spotify. And if you're now finding this podcast on the YouTube machine, please make sure you subscribe, like, and comment. Daniel, you want to take a quick look around the big 10? Cause we got a pretty big game this weekend.
0: No. Oh, yeah, I know. That's an exciting, exciting matchup.
1: Penn state and Ohio state, everything else besides the Gophers and Iowa is kind of meh, you know, nothing super exciting. Maybe Michigan state will be slightly plucky because they're playing a rival, but probably not. Ah. So uh, Penn state and Ohio state, who do you got? And what you thinking? I'll, I'll take Ohio state, I think Ohio State's favored by four, four and a half is what I saw. I'll take Ohio State just because they're at home, but I would not be surprised if Penn State has a true breakthrough moment and takes the upper hand in the East, at least until they play Michigan.
0: I'm probably most fascinated to see what Penn State does over the next month or so. And they got Ohio State this week, Michigan in November. How will they respond to that test? Marvin Harrison versus Kalen King, popcorn worthy. Uh, Pitt, Penn State's pass rush against uh, Ohio State's O line is the matchup I'm watching in this game, especially when you look at the tackles uh, of Ohio State. I think there's maybe an exploitable matchup with Isaac and Robinson being two really good pass rushers and Kyle McCord with his first test against a very good defense. I've been super, super impressed with Drew Aller. I think he's a very good quarterback, accurate, smooth in the pocket, looks confident a good ball placement, hasn't thrown a pick yet, is managing and running the system very well. And so this game with Ohio State's running backs being dinged up, uh, Igbuka has been hurt. Do they have enough there to keep up with all the talent and depth that Penn State has? It's going to be a fun game.
1: It is kind of a have your popcorn and have your snacks ready Saturday because you have Tennessee at Alabama. That's 17-11 and That's always fun. Also, Daniel, you know one thing I pay attention to: a beautiful uniform matchup. It's going to be tough. Yeah. For, it's going to be tough for those teams to screw up what uniforms they're wearing on Saturday. You also have Utah at USC. That could go a long way to deciding parts of the pack, whatever we're calling it these days. And then also you have Duke and Florida State. Duke has uh, kind of made a name for themselves in recent years as kind of a Well, a bit more of a football school than you would expect, as has North Carolina. And by the way, so is Kansas. That's kind of fun to see these traditional basketball schools playing some pretty good football over the last half a decade or so. Now we just need Indiana to step up into Yeah, But also, Indiana hasn't been the hottest basketball program in recent memory. But it's a it's a pretty good Saturday, a decent slate of games on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I'm pumped up for college football this week because it's nice Penn State and Ohio State are playing at 11 before Minnesota and Iowa play at 2.30. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to watch much of that game because I'm working after the Gopher-Iowa game. So I'm I'm pumped about getting to watch that matchup because that game combined with Michigan-Penn State and Michigan-Ohio State at the end of the season, I mean, this is what college football is all about. Quick
1: housekeeping note, Daniel, uh, for the listeners. The Gophers will host Michigan State at... 2.30. A dentist's favorite time. Man, do I despise that against a team like Michigan State. That game should be kicking off at 11. Heck, kick it off at 9 a.m. if you want. There is no (laughs) reason other than Big Ten Network for that game to be any later than 11 a.m. And I would say the same about Illinois and I would say the same about Purdue. And when I am president of the United States, I will executive order almost every college football game for Minnesota starts at 11 a.m.
0: When was the last time Minnesota this late in the season only has one 11 a.m. game? Yeah. And typically that means not to like throw
1: shade at the Gophers. Typically, that means you're having a better season than the Gophers are having. They're just getting
0: these weird kicks on Big Ten Network. But here's the thing. Like, I'm guessing they'll have they're going to have to have one 11 a.m. game here at the end uh, I would, at home. I, f- I think they'll have
1: one. Yeah, I feel like Illinois. I feel like Illinois and Purdue could both be 11 a.m.s. Now, granted, Purdue's on the road. Wisconsin's likely probably going to be 2:30, and I get that. But the Michigan, yeah. S- the Michigan State game, I don't like that one bit because look, I'm going to go to the Gopher game because I-, I I love the Gophers and obviously season ticket holder. But I don't like that it costs me missing basically all of the 11 a.m. games, and then by the time I get home, I've missed half of the evening slate. I don't like that.
0: It just so. kinda it kind of messes with your whole day. But I look at that slate of games in the Big Ten. I I kind of figured maybe this was gonna Yeah,
1: happen. and I get it too when you look ahead. Next week's not a not a very sexy week for no big, for Big Ten football.
0: And they probably feel like, you know, who knows what to expect with this game. You know, that that's probably Bophers could be going for win number five. Hey. I, that's the fun part about this. You don't know. I, I have no idea what you expect over the second half of the season, but I know if like three details are fixed and who knows if they will be and if they're going to click that, who knows what could happen. And that that's the best part about football is seeing what happens.
1: You are very in tune to the NFL as as well as I am. Pay a, pay a lot of attention to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you do some writing on the Minnesota Vikings on occasion with Minnesota Vikings or MN Vikings Corner. So I do want to at least get a minute or two of your thoughts on the two and four Minnesota Vikings. We don't really need to recap anything that's happened to this point. I mainly more or less just want to get your take on I feel like the Niners can show up here without Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and still win easily. But let's just say for argument's sake, the Vikings beat the 49ers and they get to three and four, even though, even though that's really not the path I want the team to take. I'm kind of, I'm until they're eliminated from the playoffs. I'm okay winning, but I'm actually better with losing just because I think it's better for the long-term health of the franchise. But if they beat the Niners on Monday night and get to three and 4 even I would say well at that point again until you're eliminated from the playoffs or playoff contention it's kind of game back on correct
0: Well yeah you look at that stretch of games after the 49ers Packers Falcons Saints Broncos Bears or Raiders and then Cincinnati I mean it's not like it's it's daunting the the early stages of the schedule I felt like we're going to be a little tougher but I, I don't know week to week what to expect from this team. And when you're turning the ball over, that was a huge factor early on in the season here. You're not going to win many games when you're getting totally uh, destroyed in the, in, the, in the turnover battle. So I would say the 49ers are going to come in here and try to run the ball, play smash mouth, physical, multiple run scheme performance against the Vikings defense. And that's what I'm expecting them to do in this game.
1: One of my favorite, but also least favorite memories in recent history with the Minnesota Vikings is, uh, I think it was 2018. 2018, the Vikings go to New Orleans, they win, then they go on the road and they take on the Niners. Do you remember that drive where Shanahan and the Niners just didn't pass the ball and just kept running it right down the Vikings' throat, yep. eating the eating the clock, milking the game away, and eventually winning it just by what you said, Smash Mouth? Just you absolutely cannot stop us. I think they were, didn't they run the ball eleven or thirteen times in a
0: row. I think it was like thirteen times in a row. It was it was unbelievable. But that's the style of football that that the 49ers can play. You know they are going to play multiple run scheme physical win at the point of attack and then be able to generate a ton of yards after you catch get your defense moving side to side and then hit you over the top like it Kyle Shanahan he's he does what he does and his scheme is just outstanding and I love watching them play because every week there's some new detail wrinkle that they will deploy and then adjust to based on the defense what they're showing them. The Vikings have been blitzing at such a high rate. Like I'm curious to see what type of approach Shanahan takes in this game.
1: Well, you love Kyle Shanahan,
0: yeah, and I love you.
1: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm even Be choked. I'm even choked up saying that this morning. Got a little bit of man. morning voice. Had to clear my throat there a little bit, but no. Seriously, you're the best. Thank you for joining and doing this each and every week. So next week, we'll recap hopefully a Gophers win over Iowa. If not, we'll still recap the game and we'll preview now a 2:30 start against Michigan State. 2:30 from Huntington Bank Stadium. Daniel, very quickly, what is currently at gophersguru.com?
0: Uh, there's several breakdowns. You can look at the Michigan game, some of the things that Michigan did to attack Minnesota and then a bi-week audit where went through and said okay here's what has to happen the second half of the season for Minnesota to catch stride and a preview of the Iowa-Minnesota game will be dropping on the site soon.
1: He is at Daniel House MN on the xMachineGophersGuru.com is the website. Thank you Daniel. Thank you. All right, that does it for this edition of Minnesota Sports Chat, edition number 187. Again, a reminder to please rate and review on Apple and Spotify. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and comment. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening. Back again in this feed next week.